Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote the 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and probably low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a great show for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to be welcoming on my good buddy over there from the Vegas Sats and Information Network, Jeff Parles. Going to be discussing with him if he's going to be making any adjustments when it comes to the foreign substance crackdown that the MLB is having on these pitchers. And we're also going to be taking a look at Friday's contest. He's also going to be bringing up some of the insane home and road splits that we are seeing in baseball this year. So we've got that going on in the second segment. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something I like to call touch them off first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter. So always send these into the Twitter timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I know that many of you guys have asked what the best way to be able to support this podcast is. Merely listen like you're doing right now. Download the podcast, which... If you're listening to this, you probably downloaded it. And then just rate five stars if you're able to, if at all possible, on Apple Podcasts. It takes like 90 seconds, makes it very easy. So I appreciate all of you guys have done it, and it is quite a few of you guys. And I know you guys are really asking about if I'm going to be changing much when it comes to the foreign substance crackdown. I wound up addressing this on the podcast actually on Wednesday. So if you take a look at 
the June 16th edition of this podcast. I wind up giving a nice breakdown there. Talked about it with Jason Radowitz in the interview I did with him yesterday. I'm going to be talking about it once again with Jeff today. So you're getting lots of different perspectives on this. And I do feel like there are quite a few different ways you're able to come down on that. So those are all tools that you have for the ways that I am adjusting my handicapping and why I'm not necessarily taking a look at too many more overs than normal in these circumstances. But what I do need to know is how these teams are performing, some of the trends in baseball. So let's take a look back at Thursday, try to get to know a little bit more about this, and just try to get to know these teams a little bit better in general. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Baltimore Orioles still stink on the road. They lose their 19th straight road game, 10-3. to They get destroyed by the Cleveland Indians. Ore Lopez gives up not one. Not two, but three home runs in four and a third innings, giving up five runs in total. Going deep for the Indians, Eddie Rosario, his fifth home run the season. Jose Ramirez, his sixth home run the season. Bobby Bradley, his fourth. And then off of Max Scroller, Yu Chang gets his second home run of the year. As Scroller in one inning gives up three runs, all of which were in. Dylan Tate gives you two scoreless innings, and then you wind up having Cole Solzer come in for two outs. He gives up two runs in the process. Now, the good news for the Baltimore Orioles is they got a pair of home runs off of Mr. Eli Morgan as he served one up to Mikel Franco, eighth home run of the season, and Austin, the Sayes kid, is able to get a sixth home run of the season for Morgan. Not a good start here. Gives up three runs in three and two-thirds innings, but bullpen was lights out. Sam Entages, Phil Mate, and Nick Wiggren all give you scoreless innings. You wind up getting five outs out of Trevor Stevens, and you wind up getting two outs out of Kyle Nelson, all without giving up a run in the Cleveland Indians. They complete their sweep of the Baltimore Orioles, and don't look now, but the Cleveland Indians offense all of a sudden has been able to get things going. At least four runs in each out of their last four games. And if you're looking at it in six out of their last seven, and you're even able to go back a tad bit further, I believe that they are now up to nine out of their last 11 games. A team that has also been able to get their offense going, the San Francisco Giants, and the Arizona Diamondbacks helped with that. MLB record 23rd straight home loss for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Send the three of the final for Zach Allen. One of the worst outings that he's ever had. Gives up four runs of two and two-thirds innings. From there, Riley Smith comes in for long relief, and he wasn't too relieving. Gives up four runs in four and a third innings. And then Curry Muller winds up coming in for an inning. He gives up two runs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They go one of six with Ben in scoring position as the San Francisco Giants have Kevin Gosman go eight strong. Gives up two runs. Now it's a buck 51 ERA. You've got to be taking a look at him for sort of the top three in the Cy Young race. Obviously, Jacob DeGrom is number one, but injuries might wind up preventing that. Zach Liddell was able to give you a scoreless ending as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, Kirk Caselli winds up getting a whole run in this one, his first of the season. He also had a triple. He needed a double for the cycle. So there was that aspect of it as the Arizona Diamondbacks have now lost overall 35 out of their last 40 games. Gasp. The Colorado Rockies, they are 5-27 and on the road this year. But at home, they've actually been very good, and they take down the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 7-3. Now 24-14 and at home. If they could play every game at Coors Field, they'd be making the postseason. And for the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff got a rude awakening to Coors Field. Gives up five runs of five innings. They all came in the first, and he served up a pair of homers. Garrett Hampson, sixth homer on the season. C.J. Crone, his eighth. From there, the Milwaukee Brewers have Eric Yardley come out of the bullpen. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned while recording two outs. Hunter Strickland was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen, and Obi Milner was able to give you a scoreless inning, but this is a Brewers team that also wound up committing four errors, and 
for Luis Odias, his 13th error of the season. That's got to be some sort of a league leader in that regard. He was able to get three RBI in this one, which is good, but Irmán Marquez was very solid. He wound up doing that off of Ben Bowden, being able to get those three RBIs. Bowden gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, but Irmán Marquez gives up one in in six innings. Other Coors Field, that's like pitching a complete game no-hitter. Yancy Almonte from there gives you an out out of the bullpen. Lowers his ERA to a 1080. When you lower your ERA to a 1080, it's not going well for you. And then from there, Daniel Bard, Tyler Kinley, all give you a scoreless inning. The New York Yankees wind up having a very good series out there in Buffalo. They complete the sweep of the Blue Jays by a count of 8-4 to four for the New York Yankees. They were able to get the deep ball going as John Carlos Stanton was able to get his 13th home run this season. Gio Urshela, his 8th Urshela's home run, comes off the starter TJ Zeech, who winds up going 3 innings, giving up 3 runs, 2 of which were earned, and then Anthony Castro serves the home run up to Mr. John Carlos He was able to get 1 out, and he gave up 4 runs, all of which were earned. That's not good. Joel Payampas was able to give you 5 outs out of the bullpen. You were able to get a scoreless inning out of Tyler Sacido, and then from there, you get Tyler Chatwood, 4 outs out of the bullpen. Jeremy Beasley, a scoreless inning, and Tim Mazza was able to give you a pair of outs as well. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they were unable to get the home run ball going in this one, as Michael King, not the start that you're looking for, but it wasn't terrible. Gives up 3 runs over the course of 4 and a third innings. Turned it over to a bullpen. That was terrific. Jonathan Lewisega, 5 outs without giving up a run. Chad Green, 4 outs without giving up a run. Zach Britton, a scoreless inning. And Lucas Lutige gives up a run while he was able to record 2 outs. So the Yankees look to be getting back on track. Speaking of being able to get back on track, the Atlanta Braves are trying to do so. They have yet to get above 500 all year long, but they get a 4-0 win over the St. Louis Cardinals, who just had nothing going on this night. They wind up getting a combined 3 hits. as Charlie Morton 7 and 2 thirds innings. He gives up 3 hits in the process. Luke Jackson gets him out of the 8th inning, and then Will Smith is able to complete the job in the ninth inning. And for Guillermo Heredia, he goes deep off of John Gant, third home run the season for Gant. This wasn't the world's worst start, but it certainly left a little bit of something to be desired. Gives up three runs over the course of five and a third innings. Walk two, which actually for him is not too bad. Daniel Ponce de Leon from there gives up a run in one and a third innings. Wade LeBlanc was able to give you an out. And then Junior Fernandez, a scoreless inning, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, this is an offense that is certainly stuck in the mud right now. They have now scored four runs or fewer in each out of their last five games, so certainly has been a little bit brutal on that front. Things are brutal on the front of the Detroit Tigers in general. They wind up losing to the LA Angels by a count of 7-5. It was a first start for Matt Manning, and he actually wasn't too bad. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings, this considering the fact that he had a triple-A ERA north of eight, so that was actually very good for him. Tyler Anderson gives up nothing in his ending of relief. Buck Farmer was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen, but Kyle Funkhauser got funked up. And yes, that was with an end, by the way. Five runs, four of which weren't given up while recording one out, and the Angels were able to take him deep. Home run for the Angels comes off the bat of Taylor Ward. Seventh home run of the season for Shohei Itani. He was amazing in this one. He gives up a solo home run over the course of six innings. Going deep for the Detroit Tigres in this one. Jonathan Scope is 12th of the season. Bullpen tried to light this game on fire. Rossio Iglesias goes two innings. He gives up one run. But how about Mike Myers? No, not the gentleman from so many different movies, but it felt like he should have been in Wayne's World because he gave up three runs and he didn't get a single out. Tony Watson was able to give you a scoreless setting in for the Angels. This is a bunch in which they are starting to get things going with the bats. I believe that they have now scored at least four runs in something like 10 straight games, so they have certainly been able to get that going for the Cincinnati Reds. They're scoring about two runs fewer away from home than they are at home, and in this one, they wind up losing to the Slam Diego Padres by a kind of 6-4 in incredible fashion. 
This is a game in which if you had the under, just take a lap at this point. I feel bad for you. Padres were up 2-0 to going into the top of the ninth inning. The red strike for a four spot headlined by a Jonathan India home run is sixth of the season. That comes off of Mark Melanson, who has been highly reliable all year long. And then the Reds give up four runs in the ninth inning because the San Diego Padres win on a walk-off home run. As being able to supply that walk-off home run, Victor Carantini's fifth of the season. Earlier in the game, Fernando Tatis Jr. was able to go deep off of Wade Miley. He was able to get his 22nd home run of the season. Miley also served one up to Manny Machado for his 10th home run of the season. And Eric Hosmer winds up going deep off of Ryan Hendricks, his sixth of the campaign. This was just a myriad of issues for the Reds' bullpen. As Wade Miley was good, gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Art Warren gives you a scoreless inning, and then Ryan Hendricks... He winds up giving up two runs in and out. And Amir Garrett, he now has a 9.31 ERA. He gives up two runs and he doesn't record a single out. And for the Padres, once again, Joe Musgrove. He was driving in this one. Seven scoreless innings. Emilio Pagana scoreless inning. And then Mark Melanson lights lighter fluid on the game. Gives up four runs while recording two outs. And Pierce Johnson had to get him out of the ninth. So, if you had the under in that one, thoughts and prayers to you. If you had the Tampa Bay Rays, thoughts and prayers to you. The Seattle Mariners, somehow, someway... Come back from being down by a count of 5-1 to one going into the bottom of the sixth inning by a count of 6-5. How the Mariners are 35-36 and 36 right now is some form of sorcery. As the Tampa Bay Rays get not necessarily the start that they were looking for out of Rich Hill. He was solid up until the final inning. Gives up four runs over the course of five innings. Giving up two home runs in the process. Seattle winds up getting home runs from Ty France. His fifth of the season. And Lewis Torrance. His fourth of the season. Then from there, the bullpen winds up getting scoreless innings out of Matt Whistler, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson. But Pierre Fairbanks, who's been solved for the team all year long, gives up two runs in the ninth inning to really blow this one. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Orozarena is starting to get hot. His tenth home run this season. For Mr. Orozarena, this is a gentleman that has now hit a home run in three out of the team's last five games for the Seattle Mariners. Justin Dunn, he was pretty much an opener in this one. He gives you two scoreless innings. J.G. Chargois comes in as a two-inning bulk guy. Gives up two runs in the process. Anthony Machevich comes in for two innings. He gives up a run. And Rafael Montero, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He gives up two runs in an inning. But Paul Seawalt, Hector Santiago, they were able to give you a scoreless inning. And they were able to get the job done there. And this for a Tampa Bay Rays team that currently has the best road record out there in the big leagues. 24-13. and 13. So with regards to total wins, they are. But now based on percentage points, I believe that the Boston Red Sox have a better road record with regards to just sheer win percentage. So you've got a lot going on there. The Houston Astros had a lot of offense going on on Thursday. 10-2, the final for the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease was more like Cease and Deceased. Seven runs, six of which were earned, given up in three and a third innings. He served up a bomb in this one. Going deep off of him, Michael Brantley's fourth home run this season. And then later, Matt Foster would serve up a pair of home runs. Abraham Toro, who has really not been seen all year long, first home run this season. Jose Altuve is 16th home run this season. And for Jose Urquidy, gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Brandon Bielak, along with Ralph Garza Jr., both give you a scoreless inning. And for the White Sox, the bullpen did not have a good run of it, as Matt Foster gives up three runs over the course of two innings, including a pair of homers. Zach Birdie gives you five outs out of the bullpen. Jose Ruiz was able to give you a scoreless inning. And for the Chicago White Sox, they did wind up getting Yohan Moncada back in the fold, but he went 0-3. You could tell that he wasn't necessarily himself. 
in this game. Speaking of a team that was not themselves on Wednesday, that would be the New York Metropolitans as they wind up falling to the Chicago Cubs by a count of 2-0. This for a Mets team that actually has the best home winning percentage out there in baseball at 20-7, and but for the Chicago Cubs, they were able to get a big hit off the bat of Javi Baez in the first inning, his 16th home run of the season, and that would literally be all the scoring for the rest of the game. As Kyle Hendricks, who entered into this game giving up a league-high 19 home runs, six scoreless innings, he was lights out. Andrew Chafin, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell, I'll give you a scoreless setting. Kimbrell now has 19 saves and a 0.64 ERA. Tapera and Chafin, sub-2 ERA. So they are firing all cylinders. And for the Mets, they go 0-7 with men in scoring position. They had two hits in this one. Just nothing doing. And for Strowman, other than that home run they gave up to Avi Baez, he was terrific. Gives up four hits, two runs in total over the course of seven innings. Drisic Familia gives you a scoreless setting. Trevor May also gives you a scoreless setting. So we saw some interesting results on Thursday. I know that many of you guys with the foreign substance crackdown are wondering how overs and unders are looking recently. If you take a look over the last seven days, overs are at 52 and 41. You're going to be learning in the conversation I'm going to be having on the other side with Jeff Parles. I think you can attribute a lot more of this to ballpark factors rather than the foreign substances, but here's where the money's being made favorites. 69 and 28 over the last seven days. That's a clip of 71.1%. If you want to widen it out a little bit more over the last 30 days, favorites 248 and 145. That is a 63.1% clip. Overs 196, unders 185. That for overs is a 51.4% clip. And for the season, overs have a slight advantage over unders now. 496 and 185 size is a 50.6% clip for overs. And if you're taking a look at how favorites are doing overall for the year, 58.3% clip. 489 and 421 and home teams starting to make them a nice run. For the year, they're 559 and 460, but if you're taking a look over the last seven days, because we are seeing both demonstrative splits and we're seeing really bad teams on the road right now over the last seven days, home teams. 66 and 31, that's a 68% win percentage. So that's what we're all seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we all wound up seeing on Thursday coming up next. We welcome on my good buddy over there at the Vegas Sets and Information Network, Jeff Parles, to look at Friday's games and how he's adjusting his handicapping with the foreign substance crackdown of the MLB on these pitchers. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Dave Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by our next guest as this is a man that's doing tremendous work over there with the Vegas Ads and Information Network. Typically, you can catch myself along with this gentleman, Jeff Parles, and our good buddy Josh Showers on the VEASAN Bet Center every Sunday. That's typically 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific time, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. I know that Jeff... Does quite a bit of work Monday through Friday on the nightcap as well. Does a great job looking at a wide variety of things. Everything from the NBA playoffs to day in and day out. All that we're seeing in the world of baseball. And to follow Jeff Parles on Twitter, you're able to do so at Easy Enough. Jeff Parles, and that is Jeff with a J, not a G-E. And Jeff, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Hoops, is a pleasure as always, buddy. Happy to be on with you. And it's been an adventure of a week in the baseball landscape, to put it lightly. It certainly has been interesting to take a look at everything that has been happening with baseball. Certainly the foreign substance crackdown is something that is enthralling us all. And I want to start it off right there. Is this affecting your handicapping at all? Because I've noticed that bookmakers have just been tremendous with regards to the totals so far this year. 
going into Tuesday, we had seen 473 overs and 473 unders. So despite all the no hitters and everything like that, bookmakers have been very malleable. They've really been dialed in on things. And I think that I'm going to be shading my numbers up a little bit, but I anticipate the books to do the same. So I don't think that my, I guess you could call it volume of overs is going to be going up at all, but I do anticipate making a slight change with regards to my totals. Maybe a half a run, Greg. Yeah. Maybe, look, a half a run can make a difference between a win and a loss, but we're not going to see anything that's too crazy for totals, at least in the way that I'm going to be looking at it. I kind of played out this week, in all honesty, Greg, how to really look at your ballpark factors more than anything. What happened this week in Colorado? No one could pitch. So I know that's normally, regardless of the scenario, that's usually the case in a ballpark like that. But look at your usual great hitters' ballparks. Coors Field, Chase Field in Arizona, even though that may be more of just that the Diamondbacks pitching is an abomination to baseball at this point. Yankee Stadium, really good hitters' ballparks. Those are the ones that I would look to attack. Pitchers' ballparks, I wouldn't really bother. I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, but... In these true hitters parks, these band boxes, throw in Cincinnati as well because that's a really good offense and a great hitters park. That would be where I would look to making your adjustments and be willing to take a few more overs than you would have earlier in the year because the pitchers will not have their spider tech or their sunscreen or whatever ridiculous thing that Manfred doesn't want them having for whatever reason on their arms and their gloves, whatever it may be. But that would be the way I would attack it. I would only look at that. And also, Greg, I mean, you do kind of have to pay attention the guys who have really bad, who were really good at the beginning of this year and have had their spin rate go down or have been really bad over these last few weeks leading up into the change and the enforcement of the foreign substance stuff. So that's what you need to be aware of as well if you're just looking at it from a pitcher perspective. I totally agree with you. I do think that taking a look at ballpark factors is very important because Now we're getting into the middle of June out here in Las Vegas today. It was north of 110 degrees, so it certainly is getting quite warm. I am the moron that wound up jogging 12 miles out there in it. I don't encourage anyone listening to this podcast to do the same. Fortunately, many of the people listening to this podcast are not experiencing 110 degree temperatures, but with that said, it certainly is getting a little bit more humid out there in the Northeast part of the country as well and you mentioned Colorado as well we're gonna have an interesting game going down on Friday as you got the Milwaukee Brewers going on the road face off against the Rockies Antonio Sensatello going for the Rockies Corbin Burns going for the Milwaukee Brewers and shock shock surprise surprise Brewers right around a minus 175 to minus 180 favorite but I've got to be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies vastly different home to row because at home this is a team that has actually been relatively solid they've won over 20 games so far this year at home they've got a record that is well above 500 when you take a look at them on the road five and 24 i think that it makes just gauging the rockies at home pretty tricky because on the road i mean if you just bet against them every single game you're going to be making money bet at home this is actually a team that has done very well and wound up sweeping the San Diego Padres earlier this week. Greg, one thing that we are seeing this year, we're seeing some really aggressive home road splits across baseball. The Cubs going into Thursday night, 14 games over 500 at Wrigley. That's obviously really, really good. Six games under on the road. Big difference there. Cincinnati is one of the weird ones. Their offense is much worse away from home, but they have a better record because they're pitching has been better away from home. Really, those are the big ones. And you have reverse splits with Toronto, who doesn't have a home stadium right now, playing in Buffalo, under 500 in the quote-unquote home games, 
over 500 on the road. So you need to at least take that into account. But look, scary part is right now, Greg, the Rockies are not even the worst road team in baseball at the moment. I know they have the worst road record for the whole season, but Arizona and Baltimore legitimately have not won road games in a combined 11 weeks of play at this point, Greg. I don't normally bet the streaks, but for Colorado away from Coors, Arizona away from Phoenix, and the Orioles away from Camden Yards, it is worth just betting those streaks because those are just horrible teams away from home. And Colorado at home, Greg, I really don't bet sides at Coors because just the way that those games can get out of control because of the elevation there in Denver. Yeah, it certainly is a little bit tricky to be gauging some of those games at Coors Field. Mr. Corbin Burns has been good all year long, but we have seen many great pitchers look very mortal out there in the Mile City, as we do have Jeff Parles of the Vegas Ads and Information Network joining me on the podcast. And we are talking about home and road splits, and the best team at home so far this year has been your New York Metropolitans. Now they're going to be going on the road facing off against a Washington Nationals team that, hey, all of a sudden they've been able to win five out of their last six games. Some of those games have been very good against the Giants. A couple of those games were against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and, well, the Pittsburgh Pirates are the Pittsburgh Pirates, but... With that said, for the Washington Nationals, one of their best streaks of the year. Going to be Joy Lucchese going for the Metropolitans and Eric Fetty going for the Washington Nationals. So two, I guess you could call them less than trustworthy starters. Nationals, slight favorite here, right around minus 110-ish, maybe a tad bit more, maybe a tad bit less at the time of recording. But what do you make out of this game? Because for Joy Lucchese, he, much like the rest of the New York Mets, has actually been very good at home. But he has not been good on the road. The Mets have been very good in flushing. They have been mediocre. I would say mediocre away from home. But look, this is, <laughs> we're talking about two pitchers who really aren't any good. We're only having to go over eight and a half here. I know the Nats offense hasn't been great and the Mets are worse away from home right now just in general. But eight and a half feels very low. So I would look to go over that eight and a half and that one. No play on the side, though. Yeah, trying to gauge what you're going to be able to get out of Eric Fetty and Joey Lucchese, I don't think is necessarily the world's greatest thing for so many people as one thing that has been going very well for me personally, betting on the San Francisco Giants. And once again, I feel like they're getting disrespected. You've got Johnny Cueto going up against Vince Velasquez. And Cueto between a minus 120 and a minus 125 favorite against, we were talking about it, teams that struggle on the road, the Philadelphia Phillies, who going into Thursday, 12-21 and 21 on the road. The San Francisco Giants are 21-9 and nine at home. I recognize that Johnny Cueto hasn't necessarily had as many great starts, but who is Vince Velasquez to be getting this sort of a price right now? I do not understand this one bit. You know where I'm going to be going on this one, the San Francisco Giants. I'm stunned on that, Greg. The Giants obviously just eviscerated the Snakes this week because the Diamondbacks, again, they're in the the front to baseball at this point. Uh, They were actually totally okay the first month. And then since then, have basically played at the level of the 47-win Orioles of a few years ago. It really is kind of amazing that this is the price for a giant home game, no less. Against Uh, Vince Velasquez. Yeah, like Velasquez has been solid, but... Come on. I mean, twenty-two right now, Greg. That's ridiculous. Very happily lay with Cueto and the Giants. I'm right there with you. I do not understand this one, but I do understand that Jeff Parles puts out great information and is joining me on this podcast. And I think we both agree 
The game of the night in Major League Baseball on Friday is going to be this White Sox versus Astros game, and this is really going to be a barn burner of a series. And accordingly, we've got a relatively pick and price in this one. Carlos Rodon going for the White Sox, Luis Garcia going for the Houston Astros. Depending on where you look, the White Sox are a slight favorite, and the Astros in some places are a slight favorite. So it's one of those things where you've got a little bit of a mix of match side here. I personally like the Houston Astros in this spot because with the White Sox, they have been dealing with a couple of ailments. I know that Yoan Moncada wanted missing the last series against the Tampa Bay Rays due to illness. We all know that Luis Robert is not going to be returning for quite a while. Eloy Menace, he's been out all year long. So nothing new there. But now you've got Nick Madrigal out of the fold as well. And for the Houston Astros, it's just impressive what this lineup is doing. They've got the fewest strikeouts of any team out there in baseball. You've got pretty much three-fourths of the lineup having an on-base percentage north of a 350, and all those guys can go off for 20-plus home runs this year. It's just absolutely insane. And Luis Garcia has right around a 215 ERA at home. I know that Carlos Rodon has been amazing, but I take a look at the level of competition that Rodon has been playing. I do think that there might be a little bit of regression here. I don't know if you've got any sort of a side or total on this one, but I think that it's going to be a tremendous game between the Astros and the White Sox on Friday. No real take here. I would expect Rodon to regress at some point, but we may have just figured it out, Greg. They just maybe one of those guys who just took a while to get acclimated to the league, obviously got non-tendered and brought back this past offseason. So I don't think I'm going to go anywhere here. That eight and a half feels right. That's a ballpark that you can't hit in, obviously. So I'm going to probably stay off of that one. But look, a fun matchup between two teams that very well may meet in the postseason this year. That would be a tremendous matchup. If we get an ALCS between the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox, I'd be a very happy man about that. And Jeff, I know you are a very happy man about everything that we're seeing in baseball right now. When it comes to the slate for Friday, is there a game or two that you're taking a look at, whether it's from a betting perspective or just a sit-down, have a beverage, and watch casually perspective? Now, we'll go from the betting perspective here. Michael Waka, you say Kikuchi, raise it Mariners to 7.5? Like, what? Yeah. Why is, it, why is that total so low? And look, I know Kikuchi's been better, but Tampa hits well against left-handed pitching, and it's Michael Waka. Like, what are we doing here with that? Low of a total. So, look, if it goes under, so be it. But that total's too low, Greg. That's probably a whole run too low. So, seven and a half over, Waka and Kikuchi in that last game of the night on the West Coast. I'm right there with you. For one, you say Kikuchi has actually done his best work on the road rather than at home. And for two, on this podcast, if you've ever listened, whenever it's Michael Waka, it is not Michael Waka. It is, and I use my dying Pac-Man voice here, Michael, waka, 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 waka. That is what we use for Michael Waka. I can tell that Jeff is just giving a glaring ovation through the I, airwaves I, I, right I, now. I, I'm at a loss of words right now. <laughs> Did the rubber chicken fly through the air over there, Greg? Oh, man. That is one in which it is random. It is original. I'm not going to say it's good, but it's random and original. What is good, though? is what we all get from Jeff Parles. You do an absolutely terrific job with the Vegas Ads Information Network. I know that you do a little bit of podcasting. I know that you're on a wide variety of different shows. I know that you do some work with our good buddy Aton Shander on a week-in, a week-out basis as well. So you're a man that you do a great job with being able to keep yourself busy. So love the good people at home. Know what you've all got going on right now and how they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, at Jeff Parles on the tweets is the easiest way to follow me. So that's the easiest way to go at it, Greg. Just go to my social media, at Jeff Parles on the tweets, and that's the best way to keep up with uh, everything I'm attempting to do here. 
Jeff always does a terrific job of everything that, in his words, attempts to do. He always succeeds in what he attempts to do. And always does a great job whenever he joins this podcast. Always great to get him aboard. So, big thanks to Jeff Farles of the Vegas Heads and Information Network for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time to podcast. It can be a signed total on every game on the Friday MLB betting board in a little something like call Touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, always appreciate our good buddy Jeff Parles of the Vegas Ads and Information Network joining me on the podcast. Did a great job of helping break down today's game. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you a sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JaronScorty1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, and we've got one of those, so buckle up for safety because... Here we go with 951-952 on the betting board. Washington Nationals is going to be playing us in New York Metropolitans. Joey Lucchese is going to be going for the Mets. Eric Fetty-Wap is on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Nationals are finding themselves and we're between a minus 103 and minus 112 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mets, finding them, I guess you could call it as bad as a minus 110 and as good as a minus 102. And your tolerance game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Seeing a straight 9, that under is minus 125 and the over is plus 105. And this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Washington Nationals. I actually like the way that Eric Fetty is pitching right now. And with Joey Lucchese, you've got to be taking a look at him home to road. When he's been in New York, he has actually done a very terrific job for this team. Buck 50 ERA across Three total appearances, two starts, but a lot of his appearances have come on the road. Seven of them, as a matter of fact. 729 ERA. Opponents are hanging 275 off of him. He has just not had a good run of it, and it's not necessarily because he's doing a terrible job of giving up hard contact or anything like that. Three homers and four walks in 21 innings, but... He's just given up too many hits in general. And then when you take a look at the Washington Nationals and what you might be able to get out of Eric Fetty, going to be an interesting situation here because with Fetty, he has been able to give you a lot of situations where he's going five strong innings and he's able to hold down the Fort Nine total start so far this year, 386 ERA. He's never going to blow you away with strikeouts and he's been worse at home than he has been on the road. Actually, a lot of strikeouts at home, 24 punch-outs in 21 and two-thirds innings, but opponents starting a 282 off of him. And then you take a look at the Metropolitans and this is a team that all of a sudden is getting their pieces back in. You've got people that are getting on base for this team. Gotta love the fact that you've got Pete Alonso, Dom Smith, pair of guys hitting between a 245 and a 255 throwing their Jonathan VR as well. Alonso, double digit amount of homers. And then you've got James McCann, who's really been able to pick it up ever since the beginning of the month of June. He has been able to do a much better job for this team. He's been able to hit this month more in the realm of about a 300-ish. So that's been good. Same goes for Francisco Lindor. It's been a little bit colder recently, but he's been able to pick it up. And then when you take a look at the flip side and what you're going to be able to get out of the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto's doing a great job of being able to get on base, but power numbers are way down for him. He's getting less than a home run every 20 at-bats right now. Trey Turner down for what? He has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. 
He's hitting above a 300, once wound up leading the league in stolen bases, so he's been solid. And Jan Gomes wound up having homers in back-to-back games against the Pittsburgh Pirates, hitting a 255, and Jody Mercer hitting a 250 as well. Boy, I think it's going to be the big thing for the Washington Nationals is that they've got a couple of trustworthy bullpen pieces, unlike in years past. Kyle Finnegan had a rough start to the year. He's starting to pick it up. Ryan Harper is now back in the bullpen for the team. Tanner Rainey has not had a great year, but that is why you take a look at someone like a Brad Hand to be able to close things out in the ninth inning. And for the Mets, their bullpen has been lights out as well. They're in the top eight in pretty much every bullpen metric. Some of these guys like Aaron Loop, Trevor May, they've been able to find it, and they've got Edwin Diaz in the back end. So I wound up saying this all at 8.7 because I do think that Lucchese and Fetty are both going to give up some runs, but I do think that the Nationals are going to be able to protect their home field. So we're going to be going with the Nats along this total over. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing the St. Louis Cardinals. One Carlos Martinez is going to be going for the cards. Max Freed is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves, and the Braves find themselves as big favorites. Anywhere between minus 172 and minus 186, and if you're taking a look at the cards, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 164 and a plus 159. Your total on this game is 9.5 unders, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even minus 110. For Max Freed, he wound up coming off the injured list, and ever since he's come off the injured list, he has looked relatively solid. Three runs or fewer given up in all but one of those starts, and he's really given up one run or fewer in three out of his last five overall, and I believe that if you really want to be going in the way back machine, he has given up approximately one run in five out of his last seven starts, so that's good, and he's going up against a guy in Carlos Martinez that actually gave a good start in Chicago against the Cubs. He wound up being just hurt by his fielding in that one, but his two starts prior gave up 15 runs. In four and two-thirds innings, and this is someone that I just have zero faith in right now. 573 ERA on the road, one and five record. He's not getting strikeouts right now. He's getting right around six punch outs per nine innings. He's someone that is actually keeping the ball in the yard. Four home runs surrendered in over 50 innings so far this year, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job there. And for the Cardinals and the Braves, they do have a couple shaky bullpen pieces to say the least. With the Cardinals, I do like what you're getting out of Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, and then Alex Reyes at the back end, but now they're signing Wade LeBlanc at 36 years old to be able to bolster things that's not necessarily too tremendous. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. A.J. Mitchell has not been good. Since coming off the injury list, Shane Green has been a hot mess. Chris Martin has the last 10 days really regressed, but for the Atlanta Braves as well. You do have a team that has quite a few guys that are able to do a good job of being able to put the ball in play and able to get on base. You do have Freddie Freeman. 360 on base. He's been able to give you right around 15 home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr. 400 on base. 18 home runs. And with regards to home runs on a per game basis, the Braves are actually number one out there in the league. So I give them a lot of credit with that regard. Abraham Almonte, Austin Riley. These guys are in the realm of about a 290. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, the top half of the lineup has been very good for this team. Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, they do a good job of table setting. Compare those two along with Yadier Molina, Nolan Arenado, all in between a 216 and 275. So I like what you're getting there. Paul Goldschmidt still hitting right around at 245 to a 250. You know that that's going to tick up. And then how about Tyler O'Neill? He winds up entering into yesterday's contest, averaging about a home run every 11.5 at-bats, 15 in total, 285 batting average out. Paul DeYoung, Matt Carpenter, these guys are veterans. They need to pick it up, but I do take a look at this spot. Carlos Martinez, he is a fade. I wound up setting him as a plus 192 underdog. So you take a look at the run line of the Braves because I do think that they are going to be able to put bat to ball. You're seeing that right around a plus 105 to plus 110. I'm going to wind up taking the run line of the Atlanta Braves. I also did wind up setting the solo 8.8 because I do think that Freed is going to be 
able to give a good start. So we are dipping under to go along with the Atlanta Braves. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. This is a game that is currently off the board because I think the bookmakers are a little bit confused as to what the Miami Marlins are going to be doing. But as of right now on ESPN, I am seeing one Pablo Lopez who's going to be going for them against Zach Davies of the Chicago Cubs. Wrigley Field game as well, so that makes things a little bit odd. But currently no numbers up on this game. But guess who has numbers up on this game right now? Greg Peterson, I want to making the Marlins in this spot, plus 136 if it is Lopez versus Davies. I also set this total at 8.2. I'm taking a look at the win, and it is going to be blowing a little bit, but it's going to be blowing a little bit more directionally, not necessarily going to be blowing out, not necessarily going to be blowing in, so that is part of the handicap on this one. I'll be monitoring that because I do know that regularly feel win can certainly vary from time to time, so 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over, 8.5 or higher going to be taking a look at the under, but that's obviously a little bit of subject to change, and it is subject to change because the Miami Marlins offense is not necessarily getting things going, to say the least. They have now scored four runs or fewer in each out of their last six games. This is a team that they are stuck in the mud now. You do have a couple guys who are doing a good job of being able to get on base for you. Jazz Shizzle is sitting right around at 275 for this team along with Jesus Aguiar. Jesus Aguiar wound up getting a day off along with Starling Marte of the Marte Parte against the St. Louis Cardinals in the final game of that series. You should expect these guys to be back in the fold. And for Jesus Aguiar, how about 49 RBI and 12 home runs? He's been able to do a solid job there. But then you've got a lot of guys like... Adam Duvall, John Birdie, Sandy Leon, Louis Brinson, Luis Diaz. List goes on and on of guys. They're in a 215 or lower. Now the bullpen has been relatively solid for the team. You got the former Dodgers in Dylan Floral along with Emi Garcia doing a good job. Adam Simber, I like what he's able to provide. John Curtis with two S's on the back half of it hasn't been seen too much recently, but he's been able to hold down the fort. And for the Cubs, this bullpen has been very impressive. Dan Winkler has been able to give you some good innings. Craig Kimbrell looks like the Craig Kimbrell of old. They were able to get a little bit of length out of Kyle Hendricks, who wound up jacking up his bitch down early, but was able to evade a lot of danger, so you got to give him a little bit of credit. Even someone like Dylan Maples or Rex Brothers, these guys have been solid. And for the Cubs, this is a team that they have not been the same away from Wrigley Field because you take a look at the record going into yesterday, 14-20 and 20 on the road, 24-10 and 10 at home, but you take a look at these guys. Overall, they're hitting no matter where they are. Anthony Rizzo, 350 on base, 260 batting average. He's been able to supply some boom. Javi Bias is back in the fold. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to draw a lot of walks, but he has been able to give you 15 home runs so far this year. Got his 16th yesterday. Jack Peterson is hitting a 250. Chris Bryant has an on-base percentage. It's hovering right around a 375, so you're able to get quite a bit there. I take a look at this spot, and like I said, if it winds up being Davies versus Pablo Lopez with what I'm seeing right now, I'd be making the Cubs a minus-136 favorite. An 8 or lower would be taking a look at the over. An F or higher would be taking a look at the under. 957-958 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. One Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Rockies. Colbin Burns. For some reason, I always think that his name should be said in an English accent, even though I can't necessarily do one. It's going to be going for the Milwaukee Brewers as I throw around my headphones and give you guys the fact that this total is 7.5. The over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Milwaukee Brewers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 176 and a minus 186. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 155 and a plus 170. you got to be gauging the Colorado Rockies so differently home to row because this Colorado Rockies team is historically bad on the road, though the Arizona Diamondbacks might have something to say about that. We'll be getting to them in a minute, but this is a bunch with Antonio Sensatello that he's actually been good at home, and he has been actually terrible on the road, so you take a look at it. 
since the Teledome so far this year. 383 ERA, Coors Field, that's not too bad. 47 innings pitch, he's given up two home runs and 11 walks. That'll play. On the road, 694 ERA, and opponents are hitting a 347 off of him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Corbin Burns. Probably deserves better than a 3-4 and four record. You take a look at what he's done on the road so far this year, and it hasn't necessarily been a lot. He's only made three road starts, a 1 ERA, so that's great, and opponents are hitting a buck 13 off of him, so that is absolutely magnificent, but that was against the Kansas City Royals, San Diego Padres, and the St. Louis Cardinals, so not necessarily bums, but not necessarily teams that go out there and absolutely mash. Now, you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a team in which the bats have been very hot and cold. Against the bad teams, they have been able to do a tremendous job, but against the good teams, not so much. You take a look at what they all wound up throwing out there yesterday in the lineup. One guy hitting above a 245, and that would be Omir Narvaez. He has been able to do a terrific job, and if you want to look more specifically, I believe that all except for three players were hitting below a 225. Luis Urias, Daniel Vogelback, Jace Peterson, Jackie Bradley Jr., Willie Adamas all fall on that spectrum. And then you've got other guys like uh, Tyrone Taylor. I mean, it's so bad that Kessinier is currently at AAA Nashville because he was a hot mess for this team. And you really don't have a lot of power. Obviously, El Garcia, 13 home runs, but he was the only guy other than Willie Adamas with more than eight home runs entering into yesterday. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that at home is hitting nearly at 270. On the road, they're hitting at 200. It's absolutely stark what we're seeing home to row, but Ramil Tapia is hitting right around a 300 for this bunch. Ryan McMahon, 16 home runs, 260 batting average. CJ Crone has been able to hit at home. Josh Fuentes has been very interesting. Hitting over a 300 at home, hitting less than a 200 on the road. And for the Colorado Rockies, their bullpen is very shaky. Noah fans are butts about it. Pataneo Bart has been able to give you some good innings. Carlos Estevez has been solved for this team. Heck, even someone like Robert Stevenson is able to give you some innings. And for the Brewers, you've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader, but what do you have behind that? Eric Yardley has not necessarily been too good for this team. Brent Suter, I have a feeling that regression's coming in from as he's 8-3 this year, which I think that that's one of the bigger anomalies that you're going to find in baseball. And Brad Boxberger, I don't have faith that he's able to keep up this 3 ERA, but you do take a look at it. Corbin Burns has been rolling recently. I made him a minus 181 favorite on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line in this game, I'm currently finding the Brewers right in that spectrum of about a minus 120-ish with the Brewers. I wound up saying their money line at a minus 181 and the run line at a minus 127, so we're going to be taking that. Also set this total at 10.6, so barely above that threshold we're going over along the Brewers' run line. 959-960 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers set the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Currently, the bookmakers do not have a listed pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I am seeing Caleb Smith, who's going to be going for them. Meanwhile, Trevor Bauer Power is going to be on the boat for the LA Dodgers. So, this is a game that is presently off the board. If it is Smith versus Bauer, we are going to be going with the LA Dodgers, despite the sicky stuff, as a minus 214 favorite and minus 137 on the run line, and this total at 8.8, which means that in 8.5 or lower, we'd be taking a look at the over. 9 or higher, we'll be taking a look at the under, because you just take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks team. My goodness, they are hopeless. They are 5-35 in their last 40 games. Now, on the road, they have been especially bad. I believe that they have now lost either 22 or 23 straight road games. So, they've been a little bit better at home. And for Caleb Smith, he's actually one of their more respectable pitchers. 361 ERA, he's been able to give you a 2-2 two two record, which for Arizona, that's like going 15-0. But at home, 456 ERA, road 266 ERA. And at home, this is a gentleman that he's given up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings. So, it hasn't necessarily been there for him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Trevor Bauer, he wound up getting lit up 
up in his last start against the Texas Rangers, giving up six runs, four of which were earned over the course of six and a third innings, and really he's given up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts, so... He certainly has been seeing a lot of regression. And then you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks lineup. It's actually not too bad. You've got the Marte Parte of Quitel Marte, who's been doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base for the team. He's hitting right in the realm of a 350. You've got Aurora Escobar, 44 RBI, 245 batting average, 15 home runs. Paven Smith is hitting a 280 for the team. Christian Walker's been banged up all year long. He has been a hot mess, but you've been able to get something out of your catcher as well, as Carson Kelly has had right around a 390-ish on base. Josh Rojas is hitting a 260 along David Peralta, so got a little bit of something there, and the bullpen has been better recently, but Joe Manapoli still not someone that I want to be trusting in. Curry Malaya has been absolutely awful for this team. I think that he's got like a 32 ERA at this point. Joaquin Soria, he has clearly washed up. And then you take a look at the Dodgers. You're having some converted starters into the bullpen. David Price, Jimmy Nelson, they seem to be having some success there. Now, I have no faith in Phil Bickford. You've got someone like Mitch Waidu. It's been solid, but I think that there might be a little bit of regression there. But you saw Blake trying. Kenley Jansen is solid. I do like what you're also able to get out of Victor Gonzalez as well. And for the Dodgers, you just have so many guys that do a tremendous job of being able to get on base for this team. Pretty much, you can expect six to seven guys in the starting lineup to have an on base north of a 325. Mookie Betts on a 370 on base. Chris Taylor, 385. Matt Beattie, more around a 366. Heck, you've even had the call up to Mr. Andy Burns, and he's been able to produce for this team. AJ Pollock is back in full. Zach McKinstry has given you some good at bats. List goes on and on. You don't necessarily have that one guy currently for the Dodgers hitting like 20 home runs, but this lineup is very solid, which is why I'm saying the Dodgers as north of a $2 favorite in this spot and on the run line. Minus 137. Like I said, 8.5 for lower, taking a look at the over. 9 or higher, taking a look at the under. 961, 962 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road face off against the San Francisco Giants. One Johnny Cueto is going to be going for the Giants. Vince Velasquez is on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Giants continue to get disrespected. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 125 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you're finding them anywhere between plus 105 and plus 112. Your total on this game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the under, you're going to be finding that anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Now, seeing a minus 120 out there as well, which that'll put that over at even. And in this spot, wound up saying this all 8.3, so I'm going to be diving under. But I set the Giants as a minus 158 favorite. Why do we continue to just continue to disrespect this Giants team? I understand that maybe it's a little bit of a surprise to some people, but 44 and 25 is currently the best record out there in the National League. They're doing it in a division in which they have the Dodgers and the Padres, and they're doing it with tremendous pitching. Johnny Cueto so far this year, a 4 ERA. He's given up about a home run per 9 innings. He's giving up less than 2 walks for 9 innings. And then you're going up against a guy in Vince Velasquez who he has got a 425 ERA, but regression is going to be setting in. You take a look at his fielding independent. It is mighty high because he's given up 5 walks per 9 innings. He's giving up just under 2 home runs per 9 innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year, and he's got about a 408 ERA, but he's given up 8 home runs at 28 and 2 thirds innings. Now, I do recognize that this is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, but as the summer months come, you're able to crank out more and more balls out there in San Francisco, and you've got a bunch of guys for the Giants that they may not have great batting averages. Mikey Stromsky, Wilmer Flores, Mauricio Dubon, but a lot of these guys, they've still got north of 320 on-base percentages. Brandon Belt is back for the team. 372 on-base. Lamont Wade, 
350 on base. And then you've got my man Buster Posey. Double digit amount of homers. He's hitting well above a 300. They're backed up by a bullpen that is relatively solid. Jarlin Garcia has been able to put things together. I like what you're getting out of Zach Liddell. I think that Dominique Leon is going to be able to give you some good innings. Tyler Rogers has been solid. Jake McGee has been a little bit shaky. But then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. This is a team that has been terrible on the road so far this year. The Philadelphia Phillies are 12-21 and 21 on the road, 21-12 and 12 at home, so they're a vastly different team with that regard. And then you take a look at what's coming out of the bullpen. Hector Neris has a respectable ERA, but man, I have no faith in him. Archie Bradley has been good since coming off the injured list, but Sam Coonrod, Connor Brogdon, these guys are not good. Bailey Falter, yeah, good luck with that. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies and their lineup. Andrew McCutcheon has a double-digit amount of homers. He's been able to reach base for you, but not necessarily a lot with regards to batting average. Alec Bohm hitting a 230 has been a big disappointment. Now, I will say this. Luke Williams is hitting a 474. Small sample size, but I like what I'm seeing there. You've got Ronald Torres along with Brad Miller hitting between a 260 and a 270. Odubo Herrera has been solid. And then you've got JT Remuto doing a good job. Bryce Harper, he seems to be getting a little bit banged up again, so that's certainly going to be hurting their cause. And I just take a look at this spot. The San Francisco Giants are getting disrespected once again. We're going to be riding with them. This is a gift of a price, and then we're going to be diving under as well. 963 and 964 on the bang board. You got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're under the road to face off against the Slam Diego Padres. One Chris Paddock is going to be going for the pods. Tony Santian is going to be going for the Reds. Reds are fighting themselves as underdogs here. And we're between plus 153 and plus 170. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Slam Diego Padres, that is anywhere between minus 186, seeing a minus 190 out there as well, and as low as minus 170, your total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And with the 8, over is minus 115 to minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And for Paddock, he's been able to put it together a little bit more this year, but you always fear the fact that his home and road splits are actually relatively equal. You'd think that pitching in San Diego, you'd be able to take advantage of that ballpark a little bit more. Actually has a worse ERA in San Diego than he does other places. 432 ERA so far this year. Bonus hitting a 237 off of him, so I find that to be a little bit befuddling. He's given up right around three walks per nine innings, and for Santian, his debut was very good, but it was at home against the Colorado Rockies, who cannot hit worth a lick when they are outside of Coors Field, so I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Santian was relatively solid at the minor league level, but he's probably going to need some bullpen support. I don't anticipate him going much more than five innings, as you've got Brian Brock, who's able to give you a couple innings. Heath Embry is a guy that's right now posting up a five-ish ERA. Brian Hendricks has been up and down. Art Warren has actually been able to give you a little bit of something, but not having TJ Antone out there has been a little bit tough for this team. You might need to send out their Lucas Sims. Meanwhile, for the Padres, they've got the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, and they've got so many guys that are very versatile for this team. Mark Melanson is able to close things out, but Pierce Johnson has been nice. I like what you're getting out of Ms. Bell. Chris Matt as a two-inning guy. Craig Salmon has been solid, and for the Padres, this is a team that I feel like the offense is just looking to put it together, because they've been able to do a good job of being able to reach base. They just haven't been able to get those big hits, because Fernando Tatis Jr. has been amazing with 21 homers, but only 48 RBIs, so that tells me that he's having a lot of solo shots. Got a bunch of guys hitting in that pocket of, I would say, about a 240 and a 255, but they all have good on-base percentages. Tommy Pham, along with Manny Machado, Will Myers, you can even throw in there, Eric Hosmer. I think everyone except for Hosmer, north of a 320 on-base, Jerickson Profar, 220 batting average, 325 on-base, that certainly backs it up, and now you've got Trent Grisham back to fold them for the Reds. This is a team that they're averaging about two runs per game fewer when they're on the road rather than at home, but you do have Nick Castellanos and you've got Jesse Winker, a pair of guys with a combined 30 
homers, both of these guys hitting north of a 340 with north of a 400 on base. It's absolutely insane. Eugenio Suarez has been able to give you 14 home runs, but buck 69 batting average has not necessarily been too terrific. If you take a look on the road, this is certainly a team that has been struggling a little bit more rather than at home, but you've still been able to get a couple good performances from some of these guys when they have been on the road. I take a look at someone like a Jonathan India, and he's been able to put it together. 427 on base whenever he's been on the road so far this year. Taylor Naquin, he doesn't necessarily get as many home runs when he's on the road, but he's still been able to give you right around a 250 batting average as well, so I do take a look at the Reds, and they do have some redeeming qualities in this spot, which is why I wound up saying this total 8.6, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over, but with the Padres, set them more around a minus 170-ish favorite on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're seeing that right around a plus 115. I needed north of a plus 110 to be able to take it, so that fits the bill. We are going to be going with the Padres on the run line in the spot to go along with that total over. 965, 966 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing us the Oakland A's. James Caparillion is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Yankees, you've got Jamison Tyon. Currently, this is a number only available at Westgate, but you've got the Yankees. Minus 118 favorites, plus 108 on the Oakland A's. So on this game, is 9.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. I personally want to make in the Yankees more around a minus 106 favorite. I needed at least a plus 106 to take a shot on the A's. So that's where I'm going to be gravitating towards. Also set the total at 8.5. I do think that Jamison Tyon is going to be able to put it together a little bit more for the Yankees moving forward. But I really like what I'm seeing out of James Caparillion. He has not necessarily made a ton of starts throughout his career. He's only gotten six of them, but... With that said, he's currently posting up a 251 ERA. He's been able to do a great job with the punch outs. 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's given up less than a home run per 9. The walks are a little bit high. 4.5 walks per 9 innings, but you take a look at this New York Yankees team. The top of the lineup has been relatively solid. DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, John Carlos Stanton, Gio Urshela, all guys hitting between a 260 and a 270. You're able to throw in there Miguel Anduar as well. He's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. Been able to get a little bit of something out of Tyler Wade. He's hitting more in the realm of a 240, but then you've got so many guys like a Gary Sanchez and Brett Gardner hitting between a 220 and a 230 and then it gets really bad with guys like Rudnett Odor, Kyle Gashioka. I still think that Chris Gittens might be getting some at-bats. That's absolutely terrible. Now Aaron Judge, he's got a 382 on base. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. And for the Yankees, the real redeeming quality of this team is a bullpen. Aroldis Chapman has been lights out for this team. You get back Zach Britton. Chad Green has been nice. Lucas Lutige, Wandy Peralta, all these guys are able to give you a little bit of something. But for the Oakland A's, this is also a bullpen that has been able to do a solid job as well. Diolius Carrera has been able to give you some good innings. Jake Diekman is someone that you're able to trust in late. They have kicked the tires on Cam Drosian so far so good. Now, you want no part of Aces Lizardo. He has been terrible coming out of the bullpen, but Yasmero Petit, Birch Smith, Lou Trevino, these guys are able to give you a tad bit of something, and then when you take a look at the Oakland A's as well, a team that has a lot of guys that do a great job of being able to get on base. Mark Hanna, yeah, he can give you a double-digit amount of homers and a 375 on base. Matt Olson, he has been tremendous. 300 batting average, 18 home runs. He has been lights out for this team. You get back Ramon Laureano, a guy that's hitting a home run every, I would say, about 13 or so at-bats. 330 on base. Mitch Moreland has been able to put back the ball. He, Jed Lowry, in between a 240 and 250. Tony Kemp, 390 on base. So I do think that there is something to this Oakland A's team. And with the Oakland A's, they perform very well on the road. 18 and 9 so far this year in true road games. The New York Yankees, they've actually scuffled a little bit in the Bronx, 17 and 16. I think the Yankees will continue to scuffle. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Oakland A's to go along with this total under. 967, 968 on the main board. The 
Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on it is going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Jolens Kim is nine with the juice on the under. Minus 115 there. Over is minus 105. The Blue Jays, minus 160 favorites, plus 150 on the Baltimore Orioles. Currently a number only available at the Westgate, but... I can tell you right now, we're going to be taking this total over because Robbie Ray is a machine at giving up home runs, right around two home runs per nine innings. And Bruce Zimmerman is Bruce Zimmerman, who has been on a flailing Baltimore Orioles team. I wound up setting the total personally at 9.7. Wound up making the Blue Jays more around a minus 166 favorite on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line right now, you're finding that more in the pocket of minus 110. I'd be willing to lay that. I'm certainly thinking that we're probably going to see a couple minus 105s, maybe even, even money pop up and for Robbie Ray, he's done a good job of being able to limit the walks. Throughout his career, he's given up more like four walks per nine innings this year, more like 2.2, 2.3, so that'll certainly fly in with Bruce Zimmerman right around three walks per nine innings, but my goodness, this is someone that is giving up nearly two home runs per nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that it's not great. We're going to put it to you that way. Cole Solzer has been able to give you some good innings. Tanner Scott has been relatively solid as well, but Solzer wound up getting used up yesterday. Dylan Tate wound up getting used up yesterday. Now you've got Cesar Valdez, who's going to be giving the team some innings. Tyler Wells has been okay, and I will say this for the Baltimore Orioles. The lineup has actually been halfway respectable. You've got Freddie Galvis, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander. All guys in between a 250 and a 253. Cedric Mullins, 390 on base, 315 batting average. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, he has been able to give you 49 RBI. 12 home runs hitting at 275, but then you've got so many guys that leave a lot to be desired. Austin Ace, since he's come off the injured list, hitting at 225. Mikel Franco is hitting at 215, and then Austin wins. Chancisco, Pavlika, Ryan McKenna. List goes on and on of guys. They're hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of the Toronto Blue Jays. Anthony Castro as we get out of the bullpen. You still have a couple guys that are currently on the injured list, which is hurting them. Guys like AJ Cole and company not being out there. It is certainly hurting them, but at the same time, Patrick Murphy is someone that I think is going to be able to give this team some good innings out of the pen. Jordan Romano has been solid as well, and then with the Toronto Blue Jays, you've got one of the most fearsome lineups out there in the big leagues, led by Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's leading every category for the Triple Crown out there in the American League. It's been amazing to see. Marcus Simeon, 290 batting average, 16 home runs. Boba Shedd is hitting at 285. He's been able to supply 14 home runs. Randall Grichik, 13 bombs of his own. Lord Scurriel is hitting about a 250. Santiago Espinal has been able to hit right around at 270. The catcher spot is leaving a little bit of something to be desired, but by and large, like what I'm seeing out of the Toronto Blue Jays, going to be taking them on the money line to go along this total over. 969, 970 on the betting board. You've got the Walker, Texas Rangers playing out to the Minnesota Twins. Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Mike Fultonavich is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Your total on this game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5 over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. Under is anywhere between minus 115 to minus 125. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 162. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Texas is anywhere between plus 138 and plus 145. And for Mike Fultonavich, he winds up having that nice start against the LA Dodgers, but I do feel like he's probably going to get hit around a little bit in this spot. 1-7 and seven record, 548 ERA. He is allowing well over two home runs per nine innings. He's also getting right around six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. It's just not going well from Now at home, he's been a little bit better with a 443 ERA on the road. That's more like a 740, but still giving up a lot of hard contact. Eight home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings, so that is not necessarily too terrific. And 
for Barrios throughout his career. He's always been worse on the road than he has been at home, but that seems to be changing. Actually, a 281 road ERA to a 429 home ERA, and over seven starts, 41 and two thirds innings, he's given up four home runs, and opponents are a buck 96 off of him. Now, both of these bullpens are rough around the edges. You actually do have a couple guys for the Texas Rangers that have been able to step up. John King, Ian Kennedy, they're able to give you some solid innings, and then for the Minnesota Twins, Oriel Alcala has not necessarily been terrible for this team. You've been able to get a couple innings out of Ansel Robles along Taylor Rogers as well. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. You do have quite a few guys that are doing a good job of being able to reach base for this team. They've sent up a lot of their younger guys, like Trevor Larnage, Alex Kurloff, and these guys are starting to yield a little bit of results. With Kurloff, he's hitting right around 8265. Larnage is in that pocket of 8260. And Dalton Simmons, 320 on base. Ore Palanco has been able to hit a couple home runs recently. He's hitting about a 255. And Nelson Cruz looks like the Nelson Cruz of old. He's been able to give you right in the neighborhood of four home runs over the team's last 10 games. Now he's a 370 on base. So those are good signs. And Miguel Sano, he's been a little bit cold with home runs recently, but he wound up having a 30-day stretch in which he wound up hitting 10 home runs himself. And then with the Texas Rangers, Adolius Garcia, I think I think Vlas wound up hitting a home run when dinosaurs roamed the earth. He has been stuck on 16 for a really, really long time, but you have been able to get a little bit of something out of quite a few of these guys. Willie Calhoun, Jose Trevino, Nate Lowe hitting between, I would say, about a 235 and a 250, and with Lowe 344 on base, Isaiah Kinnear Falefa is hitting a 290. You've been able to get Joey Gallo on base, 375 on base. You've got a couple guys like Charlie Culverson, Jonah Heim that you need a little bit more of something out of, but I do take a look at this spot. I certainly do think that the Minnesota of the Twins should be a favorite. They have been just a badly underachieving team all season long. I do think that they are going to come to the forefront at some point, and they are going to be able to step up with the Twins. Wound up sending them on the money line at minus 137, but if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, you're finding that more around even money. I would have needed a little bit more of a plus price to be able to take a shot on them. As strange as it sounds, I do think that there might be a little bit of value here on the Texas Rangers, especially with the plus 145 that I'm seeing popping up right now. And then when it comes to the total, I said it at 8.3 because I do know that Fulton Avich pitches much better in Texas than he does on the road. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Rangers, and I'm going to be taking this total under as well. 971-972 on the main board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Red Sox. Right now, the betting board says to be determined, which is why we've got no numbers up on this game. But I am currently seeing Jackson Cower going for the Kansas City Royals. If it is Cower versus Nick Pavetta, Guess what? The Boston Red Sox are going to be a favorite. I wound up saying them at minus 153. I set this total at 9.8. So 9.5 or lower, we take a look at the over. I would need a 10 or higher to be taking a look at this total under because you've got Nick Pavetta, who has just been giving out walks left, right, and sideways, right around 4.4 walks per nine innings. Home runs per nine, more around 1.2-ish. And for Jackson Keller, he's got a 650 whip. I always say that if your whip would be a good number for a set of 10 on the bench press, you're not doing well. I wish I could do 650 pounds for a set of 10. I'd be completely jacked. So, uh, yeah, that's not going well for you. Meanwhile, with Kansas City Royals, you actually do have a couple guys that have been able to come in and give you some good long relief. Carlos Hernandez has certainly been their long reliever, but he wound up getting used up on Wednesday. So, that's going to put them in a little bit of a tricky spot. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, these guys have been relatively solid. You're probably going to be looking at Irvin Santana if you do wind up needing some length. And then for the Boston Red Sox, whole bullpen has actually been very good. Garrett Woodlock, good two-inning guy for this team. Kazu Salamura has come over from overseas. He's been able to do a tremendous job. Brandon Workman has been able to give you some good innings. Heck, you've even been able to get a little bit of something out of Adam Montevino. And with the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that they just wound up slugging them out in Atlanta. This is a team that has been actually very good on the road as well. You take a look at the Boston Red Sox. 
22-10 and 10 on the road compared to 20-17 and 17 at home, which I find to be very intriguing. And with the Red Sox, what you love about this team, Sander Bogart's J.D. Martinez. A pair of guys hitting above a 3 arm with double-digit amount of homers. Rafael Devers hitting at 285, 16 bombs. He has been terrific. Heck, Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, Kevin Ploiecki. All guys hitting between a 255 and a 265. You can put, throw in that pocket, Christian Arroyo as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of the Kansas City Royals, Salvador Perez has been amazing for this team. Double-digit amount of homers, 280 batting average. He knows how to call a game as well. One of the best catchers out there in the business. Carlos Santana has been able to give this team a 365 on base. Gerard Dyson hitting a 280, used sparingly, but has been solid. Adalberto Mondesi seems to be healthy once again, hitting above a 300. Ansel Alberto is hitting a 270 along with Whitman. Merrifield. The big thing for this team, Ode Soler. 48 home runs in 2019. Six so far this year with a buck 85 batting average. That's really hurting them. And I do think that Nick Pavetta is certainly going to be giving out some free passes, which is why I've got this total set at 9.8. So like I said, it would take a 10 or higher to be looking at the under in this spot. And with the Boston Red Sox, set them as a minus 153 favorite if it is, in fact, Jackson Keller against Nick Pavetta. 973-974 on the betting board. This is a New York Post play of the day. As you've got the Houston Astros playing us the Chicago White Sox. One Carlos Rodan is going to be going for the White Sox. Luis Garcia is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves as bad as a minus 110. You're going to be finding them as good as a minus 102. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Southsiders, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 110. You're going to be finding them, I guess you could call it, as good as a minus 105. Tolan's game is 8.5 with the over and under. It's anywhere between even a minus 120, so you pick your poison there. And the New York Post of the day is going to be the Astros on the money line. I love what I'm seeing out of Luis Garcia. The team has just been able to get the job done whenever he's been out there on the mound. And for Garcia, right around 2015 home ERA, less than home run per nine innings. He has been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the four end. When you take a look at him, he's given up three runs or fewer, and I believe every one of his appearances so far this year. So he's been able to do a great job there. And for Carlos Rodon, I mean, what more can be said? Less than home run per nine innings. He's given up a little bit over two walks per nine, buck 89 ERA. And on the road, he's got a sub two ERA. So he has been absolutely tremendous with that regard as well. But I will say this, with the White Sox, they're a little bit banged up. Yoan Moncada has been out with an illness a little bit. He seems to be close to returning. He wound up being able to get back yesterday, but he doesn't seem to be fully at 100%. You're without Nick Madrigal for the rest of the year. Tim Anderson has been terrific. 310 batting average, but for the White Sox, you also need to be keeping in mind that this is a team that they're in the bottom 10 when it comes to home runs per game and home runs per at bat. Now, Yasmani Grandal, one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Buck 58 batting average and a 390 on base. Jose Abadeu, he's got over 50 RBI. He's hitting a 250. He's been solid, but when you take a look at the Houston Astros, you've just got a whole bunch of guys that are able to reach base and they're able to give you power. Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve. All hitting at least a 290. All have at least a 350 on base. All capable of giving you 20 plus home runs this year. And then you've got Jason Castro, Miles Straw, along with Kyle Tucker. Tucker's a little bit banged up on all these guys. A north of 250. And for Tucker, he was giving the team a double digit amount of homers. For the Houston Astros, bullpen can be a little bit shaky from time to time. But I do like Ryan Presley, what you're able to get out of the bullpen from him. I do think that you're going to be able to get a little bit of something out of someone like a Blake Taylor or a Ryan Sanic as well. And then with the White Sox, Liam Hendricks has been lights out for the scene, but Aaron Bummer is, 
had his ups and downs this year. Evan Marshall has been a little bit tough as well. I take a look at this spot. I do think that the Astros are going to be able to put up some runs. Why am saying this all 8.3? I do think that both of these pitchers in Garcia and Rodon are going to be giving up between three and four runs apiece. So I'm going to be taking it under and I'm going to be riding with the Astros in my New York post play. 975-976 on the bank board. The LA Angels are going to be playing also the Detroit Tigers. Jose Yarenia is going to be going for the Detroit Tigers. Alex Cobb is going to be on the bump for the LA Angels. Angels a sizable favorite here. Anywhere between minus 177 and minus $2. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigres, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 162 and a plus 170. Your total on this game, anywhere between 9 and 9.5. On the 9, you're finding that, wow, this is insane. Anywhere between a minus 115 and a plus 105 on the under. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the over, you're finding that anywhere between minus 105 and minus 125 on the 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 105. So you certainly want to be shopping around if you've got a little bit of strangeness with your guards handicapping there. But when it comes down to it, there's no way I can lay this much of a price on the Angels. And I mean, I made the Angels about a minus 165 favorite here, but man, I can't get there on this, and I also set the total at 8.7, so we're certainly going to be taking a look at that under, but with Jose Yarena, I do recognize that his last couple starts have not necessarily been too terrific, but this is also someone that has given up four home runs over the course of 61 innings. Last two starts, he has given up a combined 11 runs in six and two-thirds innings, but both of those came against the White Sox. Yeah, throughout his starts against the White Sox, he's actually been halfway decent, and he's actually been hurt by a couple unearned runs as well. Meanwhile, you take a look at the LA Angels, which you're able to get out of Alex Cobb. You wound up having a little bit of a nice rebirth, but he has now given up a combined 10 runs in his last 10 innings against the Seattle Mariners and the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's not necessarily too terrific. You don't want any part of that. I will say this for Cobb. He is getting right around 11 punch-outs per 9 innings, so that is something that is able to help out this team. He's only given up 2 home runs, and for the Detroit Tigers, this is not necessarily a team that's giving you a whole lot of hard contact, but with that said, you do have a couple guys who are getting on base for you. Jamie Candelario, Eric Koss, Akil Badu, Jonathan Scope. All hitting between a 255 and a 272 with Scope. 11 home runs Robbie Grossman, nine bombs, right around a 355 on base. Now, Willie Castro, Des Cameron, Grayson Griner, Miguel Cabrera, all these guys hitting a 225 or lower. That is certainly hurting this team, but you do have some good bats. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, Shoei Otani has been amazing. 270 batting average, 19 home runs. Justin Upton, Gerald Walsh, 29 home runs between them going into yesterday, and with Upton, he's got right around a 320-ish on base. Gerald Walsh hitting right around a 290 for this team. Now, if we got a couple slugs in the lineup, Injuries have hurt the team, so you've got Luis Rangifo, Juan Lagares, Kurt Suzuki, Kian Wong. All guys that entered into yesterday's contest hitting a 230 or lower. And whenever Anthony Rendon's about out there, he's just been a little bit of a disappointment. And with both of these bullpens, hard to have faith in too many of these guys. Rossiel Iglesias has been better recently, but I always believe that he's been overrated. Jose Suarez has been a good long guy, but he's been used up quite a bit recently. Donnie Watson had an appearance in which he gave up six runs without recording it out. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. You've actually been able to get a little bit of something out of Brian Garcia. He's been halfway decent. Joey Menes, he has just completely lost, but... You do have someone in Gregory Soto who's able to give you some good innings. Tyler Alexander, whenever he hasn't been in the starter role, has actually been halfway decent. And then Jose Cicerno has been good for the team as well. I feel like the Tigers should be an underdog, but I think that this is a little bit too stark, so we're going to be taking it under. And I'm going to take the plus price here with Detroit. 977-978 on the bang board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays. Michael Waka, Waka, Waka. Ch -ch -ch. 
is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yusei Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. 12 games, 7.5 over and under are both anywhere between minus 105 minus 115. If you're looking at the Mariners, find them anywhere between minus 105 and minus 108. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the race, you're going to be getting that anywhere between minus 105 and minus 102. I know that Michael Walk is not necessarily the world's most tremendous pitcher, but I've got to feel like he's going to have a short leash in this one. And then you get into that bullpen full of guys like Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, you throw in there Andrew Kittrich, Ryan Thompson. All these guys are absolutely tremendous. And with Michael Walker, it's not like he's been the world's worst pitcher. Now, it is still Michael Walker. He's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. But with that said, he is someone that has been able to cut down on the walks. Right around two and a half walks per nine innings. You say Kikuchi, he's having by far his best year, but he still gives up rockets. Right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings. And with you say Kikuchi as well, this is someone that at home so far this year, 441 ERA on the road, more like a 307 ERA. Now, opponents are hitting right around a 200 off of them, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that they strike out a lot, but you've got a bunch of guys getting on base for this team. You've got Austin Meadows, 15 home runs. He's been able to get on base with right around a 330-ish on base. Joey Wendell hitting a 285. I really like what you're getting out of Taylor Walls right now. His batting average is hovering right around a 240-ish, but his on base is hovering right around a 350 as well. Mike Zanino, 13 home runs, former Seattle Mariner. And then you take a look at what the Mariners threw out there yesterday. Among their nine starters, and they don't have the pitcher in this league. Six of them hitting a 222 or lower. Shed Long, Jake Bowers, Lewis Torrens, Taylor Trammell, Tom Murphy, Dylan Moore. And that's with Kyle Seager currently banged up. You throw in there Ode Mamalois. He has been absolutely terrible for this team. J.P. Crawford is hitting a 280. Mitch Anniger, Ty France, both hitting about a 260. And for Anniger, 16 home runs. And for the Seattle Mariners, bullpen began the year very strong, but Kendall Graveman, ever since coming off the injured list along to Will Vest, these guys have just not been the same. Anthony Michevich, he's been able to give you right around a 5-ish ERA along with Rafael Montero. Paul Seawald, Hector Santiago, they've been able to give you a tad bit of something, but I do think that regression is going to be coming in there. I want I'm saying the Tampa Bay race as a sizable favorite here. More around a minus 140-ish. So we're certainly going to be riding with that. I also am in agreement with our good buddy Jeff Parles. This all seems to be a run too low. So taking the over as well. We wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bank board. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be playing out to the Cleveland Indians. Sean Carlos Mejia is going to be going for the Indians. Chad Cool is going to be on the bump for the Pirates. Pirates are finding themselves as underdogs here. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. And we're between a plus 125 and a plus 135. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Cleveland, you're going to be finding them in between a minus 142 and a minus 149. Your tallest game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. And the under is anywhere between even and minus 115. And when you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, the say that it's not going well for them would be very generous, but they do have a couple guys at the top of the lineup that are able to get on base for this team. Adam Frazier seems to be a tad bit banged up, but he still has been able to do a tremendous job, nearly a 400 on base for this team, so that's a little bit of a redeeming quality. You've also been able to get a whole heck of a lot of something out of Brian Reynolds. He's giving you right around a 393 on base, 290 batting average. Cabrian Hayes has come back to the fold. He's been able to do a solid job, but then you got so many guys that they're leaving a whole lot to be desired. How about Mr. Mike Perez, Kevin Newman, Gregory Pablanco, Philip Evans? List goes on and on of guys hitting a 220 or lower, throwing their Ben Gamble as well. And then with the Pittsburgh Pirates, bullpen has actually been relatively solid. Richard Rodriguez has been able to do the job for this team. You've even got someone like a Chase and Tree, who's been solid. Chris Stratton right around a 3-ish ERA, but then you take a look at the flip side. For the Cleveland Indians, their bullpen has been lights out. Emmanuel Place has been amazing for this team all year long. James Karinczak has been able to give you some good innings. Heck, even someone like a Brian Shaw has been able to do a good job, and all these guys did not wind up getting used up yesterday. 
yesterday and for the Cleveland Indians. Lineup is starting to come along for the ride. How about what Bobby Radley is doing? 375 batting average. He's been able to supply a couple home runs for this team. You've got Jose Ramirez, who's hitting at 272, 16 home runs. Amit Rosario, now hitting a 285 for this team. You've got Bradley Zimmer hitting at 255. Eddie Rosario in that 250 pocket as well. The catcher in Ryan LaVarnway, he winds up having a nice day yesterday. It's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to maintain this moving forward, but Harold Ramirez is hitting at 270, so you've got some nice pieces there. I take a look at this spot with John Carlos Mejia. He has not necessarily been terrific in his starts, but he seems to be reining it in a little bit more. In two out of his three starts, he has given up two runs or fewer. Now, I will say both of those starts were against the Baltimore Orioles, so that is not necessarily a redeeming quality. He is someone that is giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but then you take a look at Chad Cool as well. 6.52 ERA. Ever since he has come off the injured list, he has given up at least three runs in every one of his starts. Why they keep trotting him out there, I have absolutely no clue at all. And with him, he's actually been a little bit better at home with a 466 home ERA, but that's over a very small sample size over the course of two starts. This is a situation in which I think we are going to see runs upon runs. If you're taking a look at the run line here of the Cleveland Indians, you're finding that as good as a plus 115 as I'm seeing it right now. I think I might need a tad bit more to be able to take a look at the run line in this spot. I personally wound up saying this more around a plus 120, but certainly a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Indians. Set this all at 9.3, so I'm going to be taking it over as well. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Friday. A big thanks to Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sets and Information Network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question for the podcast, you've got one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter, so I send these in via the Twitter timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 